0: A quiet mind being in the present moment gives you greater and greater degrees of certainty, even though life is still volatile and life is still all over the map.
1: Hey, babes, it's Kayla Kraft with the Mommy Millionaire podcast. I'm a mom of three littles, ER nurse turned self-made millionaire and lifestyle entrepreneur. I am bringing you inspiring stories, business and mindset tips to help you be shameless in pursuing your ambitions. I am so excited to have Matthew on and those of you guys that have been listening to the podcast on the reg totally have heard me talk about him several times. So you guys can all fangirl right now. He's finally on the podcast. Uh, so Matthew, welcome to the show.
0: I am so excited to be here with you, Kayla.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell everybody, like, how did you get started in this whole like business coaching world?
0: Well, for me, it began because my father is a a personal development guru himself. So he's been coaching and training people in the real estate industry since 1976. And in 1989, after my record label canceled my my recording contract, uh, I went begging him for begging him for a job. <laughs> and he was like, "Well, you can get on the phone and start calling people and coming to my seminar." And I didn't know what that was, but I said yes and it uh, turns out that i am i am 100% hardwired for learning growing and and becoming the best version of myself because he fed me every one of his uh mentors and i i've been on a learning terror ever since that you know i was 21 years old then i'm i'm 51 today
1: oh my gosh i love that so and you also have tried a lot of things because I remember when I first started coaching with you, you were doing like audio, like at the beginning of your days, you did like these audios, right? That helped people. What was that about? Uh,
0: I'm not sure if I, if I know exactly what you're talking about. Can you clarify (laughs) it for me? What do you mean?
1: (laughs) Didn't you do like something where like you, you sold all of these, like not cassette tapes, but maybe they were CDs or something where people would listen in and get like motivated or. Yep. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, in the, well, that was back, way back in the day. So back, <laughs> back in, in my, uh, you know, in my beginning stages, and and I'm not sure how many of your listeners will uh, will be able to relate to this, but uh, you know, we used to sell cassette tapes and and CDs at the back of the room. Cassette tapes first, then CDs, and probably my biggest my my biggest success uh, in that zone was something called energy affirmations, and you yes. can actually go on. You can go on iTunes today, actually, and listen to or, or Spotify or whatever. Energy Affirmations number two is still on there and is still one of my best-selling uh, combinations of it's high-energy music that I made. So I, I, back then, I was a house music producer. So it was house music mixed with positive songs and uplifting messages.
1: No, I think it's important for people to know... Uh, the backstory of all of the things that you've done because so many people, they get married to who they want to be and they don't give themselves like permission to evolve. And that's definitely what you've done, you know? So you started somewhere selling cassette tapes at the back of a room to where you are now.
0: So- yeah. And, and the evolution, I, I think probably the, the thing that has really been at the heart of the methodology that I've created to assist people in going into these quiet mind, peaceful, joyous states is the idea that it is an evolution, and that you're going to go through different stages, and there's going to be times in which you're on one path and you think that's it, and then you know life hits you from the from the side, and and now you have to change courses to get to your destination. And I think it was the Dalai Lama that said sometimes the wrong train takes you to the right station.
1: Ooh, I love that. So, okay, you brought up the term quiet mind and people listening in don't know what that is. Can you kind of explain what a quiet mind is?
0: Yeah, so when you have a quiet mind, you're, you're essentially in the present moment. And that's a, that's a term that most of us are familiar with these days, um, mindfulness, et cetera, et cetera. But you're, you're free from stress and worry and concern. And Kayla, here's the crazy thing. According to the American Institute of Stress, I didn't even know that there was such a thing, but according to them, 73% of Americans say that they deal with psychological stress on a regular basis. And that's the bad news, especially for the entrepreneurs who want to become mommy millionaires like you. Because when you're you're cluttered up with stress and anxiety and fears and concerns and doubts and worries and all of that stuff, you just make bad decisions. You don't see things clearly. You're, you're, You're not easy to be around. You're not an engaging human being. And your energy gets zapped. And if you're going to achieve your goals, you want to make sure that the best version of yourself is influencing every aspect of your life and your business. And the good news is when you have a quiet mind, that's what's possible.
1: Mm. I love that. And I think like a lot of people listening in, they see me and I'm like the queen of hustling and I don't show a lot about the work that I've done like on my mindset and getting quiet. And I think you helped me so much with that and trying to be in the present moment. But I still like really, really struggle with that, like really bad. (laughs)
0: Well, and I mean, let's be honest, you are, you really are an ass kicker, right? You're metaphorically speaking, you are, you hustle, you make it happen. You're, you're in a lot of ways, you're fearless. And the, the methodology that you and I have spent so much time working on has done nothing more than opened you up so that you aren't, you aren't thrown off track by the volatility and and uh, like all of us, uh, you know, life is not set, life is not predetermined and life is not gonna be a, a steady, smooth ride, especially if you're committed to big things like you are. So you've gotta have a, you have to work on a frame of mind that enables you to just take those, those punches in the face and actually be completely at peace and ease with them and roll with those punches so you can create the life and the dreams that you want.
1: Yes, there are a lot of punches. And yes, there are. A lot of people listening in right now, they think that the punches aren't normal, you know? So they think that something is wrong with them if they're getting the punches. So, can you kind of share, like, and you've taught me this process, but I want people to hear it in your words. But what is the process on how to? Be okay and stay neutral, like you say, when things like feel like really hard.
0: Well, uh, let me back up. Okay. So let me just uh, kind of give people a, a framework of why on earth I even was, ca- why I even care about this and how, how it kind of evolves. So for me, I started on this path to a quiet mind when I was nine years old. I don't even know if I told you this, but I had several experiences where I felt like I was floating out of my body. No. And it was ridiculous, Kayla. It was so profound and so peaceful and so blissful. And and that experience was so powerful that as an adult, I was driven to find a predictable path to get back to that feeling, what I could only describe as, as just a, ah, all is well. And after coaching thousands of people from Wall Street to Main Street, I've discovered that I'm not alone. You know, most people just want that feeling like all is well. And as business owners, we just want to know that everything's going to be okay. And we want to have that feeling of certainty. And it's it's crazy. A quiet mind being in the present moment gives you greater and greater degrees of certainty, even though life is still volatile and life is still all over the map. So I wanted to to bring everybody up to speed on like, wow, how did I, you know, why why did I even bother with this path?
1: How do you stay neutral? Because those are your words that you use when things are happening to you. So when you're you're out there and they're building their business and it feels like all these rocks are being thrown at them, um, how do they stay neutral instead of taking things so personally?
0: Well, it starts with utilizing the rapid enlightenment process. And so the rapid alignment process, it's something that you and I spent a ton of time in as we were doing private coaching together. And it's a four-step process that gets your mind to quiet down so that you stop being so worried and stressed so that you can take action on the things that matter to you. And it begins with this idea of knowing that your mind is not your friend. Knowing that your mind is a mechanism and its job is kind of like a, it's kind of like a GPS. So its job, Kayla, is to always move you in the direction of survival. So it's, it's giving you orders and ideas and images and worries and frets and doubts and new ideas about where you should go and, and how you should operate. All from the standpoint of, if you do these things, it estimates you're going to survive longer. The problem is, you're trying to thrive. You're, you're not in a survival situation. And your listeners, if they're devoted to becoming a, a mommy millionaire like you, well, they're not in a survival situation they need to start seeing that the mind is saying, go left. Don't make that call. Don't don't tell people about your, your business or your product. You'll be embarrassed. That's what the mind is saying. But their heart is saying, if you want to accomplish your goals, you need to make that call. Tell that person what you're up to. Uh, go out and do that new promotional activity. Dial in your product they have to actually learn that the mind is not on their side. And if you start, if you listen to your mind, like it's going to help you to achieve your goals, you'll always struggle and you'll always be frustrated. Mm. So I think that that's probably, you know, that's, that's step one of the rapid enlightenment process, but my gosh, just taking that on will make such a difference.
1: So, you know, when you say that, I hear people going, well, then should I follow my heart? What if they don't know what their heart is saying? Is that even a thing? Or is that just like some made up thing that we got from the movies anyway?
0: (laughs) I, I, you know, following your heart is a metaphor, um, as everything is. So there's a, there's a gut instinct. I'm going to say, I'll, I'll say it like this. You and I have acknowledged that, we're that part of the human species that is driven to create stuff and do things. And we also look around in the world and we see that there's different strokes for different folks. I mean, there's so many different variations on the human species. But I imagine that the person who is drawn to your podcast is similar. To you in that there's something inside of them that says, I can be successful. I can make something of myself. I can achieve uh, a, a level of, of success or happiness or fulfillment. And that drive is a thriving drive. And you might say that that is you following your heart. And what you'll find is When you are drawn to take action in the direction of your goals, there's a fine line between the drunk monkey saying, take action. By the way, the drunk monkey is my little nickname for the thoughts in your head. Oh, everybody's heard
1: that term. (laughs) Okay, good.
0: (laughs) So the drunk monkey might be telling you, you need to take this action because you're a loser. That's a survival uh, um, perspective. Whereas your heart will say, take this action because this is, this is the direction of the vision that is coming through you. That might be your heart. So it's, it's a, it's a matter of discernment takes practice. The rapid enlightenment process takes practice and, and it's plain and simple, but the truth of the matter is it is rapid.
1: Okay. So you already told us the first step. So what, what comes after the first step?
0: The next step is you have to you have to begin to understand what is the mind's motivation for thinking in the first place why does the drunk monkey push me to sell out on my own goals to fit in mm. why does the drunk monkey get angry when people do things that don't meet with my expectation as if I'm the ruler of the universe and all people should bow down to my infinite wisdom why does it do that and many of the other I'm going to call those unconscious reflexes. Why does it do that? Well, it turns out it does it because there is an underlying code in consciousness called the hidden motives to survive. And this is, Kayla, this is unlike anything that any of my teachers have ever talked about or discovered before. And it was, it was really the discovery of the hidden motives to survive that unlocked my ability to get my mind to go completely quiet at Thanksgiving dinner, to go completely quiet when my kids were in drama, to be completely quiet when my business was losing steam and I had no money and I didn't know if I was going to pay my bills. It was what enabled me To be in a state of peace in the drama and the chaos of life, it was recognizing that there is a survival process coded into my thinking, and it was the inspiration for my thoughts. So it created my thoughts, and they're called the hidden motives to survive. Here's what they are. Ready? Yes. Greed. Holding grudges. Being humble is a hidden motive to survive. In fact, let me just grab my chart here and I'll show you. Okay, so greed—we get afraid that th- that we're not going to have enough, mm-hmm. or we want to gather up as many resources as we possibly can to try to give ourselves an advantage. We hold grudges to keep negative things away from us. We use hatred as a as, let's call. A grudge is sort of a long-term thing, whereas a hatred is a short-term, like, negative, I don't like that thing, right? That makes me mad, or that upsets me. We use victim to manipulate the people around us into doing things for us or giving us an advantage so that we don't have to be responsible. We use illogical rules, or we follow these illogical rules that are programmed into us, like, uh one of the one of the things that most of my female clients are following which actually really makes it difficult to have a quiet mind is you put your children's needs above your own that's an illogical rule that almost all of us i have four kids i followed it for the mo- for the majority of my life until i discovered the hidden motives then i gave up putting my children's needs above my own. I started putting my needs above theirs, and when I did, my ability to take care of them increased, and my ability to be at peace in the process became pervasive. We get humble as a way of not disrupting the insecure, dominant people around us. We use traitor as a way of hiding what we really think because we don't want to be punished for it we don't want to ruffle any feathers we don't want anyone to know what i'm really up to we have pride as a way of getting us to move forward and to to gather support and get and have people know that we're important we resist so that we don't experience negativity and we use lazy as a way of conserving energy In fact, luxury is lazy in disguise. So greed, grudge, hatred, victim, illogical rules, humble, traitor, pride, resistance, and lazy. When you actually heal the imbalanced parts of your consciousness that are the hidden motives to survive the motivation for the worry and the stress and the doubt and the uncertainty, the motivation goes away. Your mind goes quiet and suddenly your heart begins to sing. You can really hear what's in your heart.
1: Okay. That is amazing. I was like taking notes like crazy because I don't think I've ever heard the hidden motives before. But when you said greed, something came up for me because so many people obviously listen in because they want to become a millionaire And I know this is something that I really struggled with and I'm getting better at, but it's still not completely gone where I just feel like I'm never going to have enough. And what do you do to make, how do you get that quiet mind to believe that you will have enough?
0: Well, that really goes to the third step. So the third step is to embrace or engage enlightened perspectives and to release the survival perspectives, mm-hmm. so there's a whole bunch of contextual ideas that we have about life and death, and um, what happens after you're dead, and what are you supposed to do when you're alive, and what does it mean to be a mom or a dad, or what, all of this stuff. What what does work really mean? And these are all these are all long held illusions that have actually been really productive in getting our society to become effective. So the idea of when you die, you will then be judged, that idea is is inconclusive. No one knows if it's true. It's a faith-based idea. And the idea itself, if we look at it from a survival standpoint, it's really powerful because it's guiding human beings towards behaving in a more kind and appropriate fashion with each other. But the idea itself is unprovable. It's dogma. We don't really know if it's true. And here's the crazy thing, Kayla. When you use a little known technique called muscle testing to discern if an idea or a thought is strengthening to the body or weakening to the body, you find that when you say the, the statement, after I die, I will be judged. You will find that it causes the body to be weakened. So if you and I were together, we haven't done muscle testing together yet, but we're going we're gonna to do some of that together. And so you let's say you put your arm out and I press on your arm. When I press down on your arm, you'll find that no matter what you do, your arm can't stay up. It, the, it, the muscle fails. And what I found over those last 20 years is that there is a, there, there's a a correspondence. If a statement makes you go strong, that statement implies that all is well. And if all is well, there's no need to gather up resources in a in an in a false urgency to make sure that you look good you have enough blah 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 all of that stuff it doesn't mean that you'll be irresponsible you'll still be responsible but if all is well kayla then there's no need for you to urgently gather up resources aka greed but if a statement weakens you if i make a statement to you and i push down on your arm and it makes you go weak the Craziest thing. It corresponds with the idea that something is wrong. It actually weakens your body. It puts you into a weakened state. So if you think I will be judged when I die, even though that idea itself has been so beneficial to the whole of mankind in bringing us together to be nicer to each other, the idea itself causes the body to fail. And when the body fails, the mind kicks in and says, we're in trouble. What do we need to do? And what do we need to do? We need to have some greed, grudge, hatred, victim, illogical rules, humble, traitor, pride, resistance, or lazy. Something like that is going to kick in. It's different for everybody, right? For you, it's greed. For someone else, it might be lazy. For another person, it might be victim. For no- And we have combinations of all of them.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. I remember when uh, you said that I had traitor too.
0: Traitor is a big one for me. Mm, because yeah. what I what I speak about is, is something that is conflicting to so many belief systems. And so there's a there's like a fear. Will I be, will I be persecuted for saying what I really believe?
1: So do you struggle with that?
0: I did struggle with that. But like I said, over the last two decades, I've been discerning these hidden motives one by one with help of mentors and friends and, and, you know, just in collaboration with people and then seeking out, figuring out how do I release this in my consciousness so that it doesn't come up in my autopilot thinking. Mm -hmm. So trader is something that I completed and I actually completed in 2016. And, uh, it, you know, if people were following my career, they would see that I used to hide behind happiness and success. That was my moniker prior to that. And in 2017, I began to admit that the ideas that I teach have a spiritual framework and lead to an enlightened state, even though I don't have any religious affiliation per se. So I came out of the closet because I had completed this, this Let's call it a, a a wet blanket of traitor holding me down. I didn't. It was like an invisible barrier. I didn't even know it was there.
1: Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know that they have these things that are holding them down. And one thing that you taught me is, you always said self awareness is the key to transformation. Did you, did you say that? Hundred percent. Yeah. Like, Hundred oh, percent. you were quiet. I was like, you said that right?
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I did. But I say it differently. <laughs> I I say that awareness. Makes you flexible, which reveals new options, and that's what gives you power. Because the person with the most options has the most power. And you know, you and I have been—we uh, had a wonderful lunch the other day, and you were talking about some of the changes and some of the volatility that you were going through in your life. And what I was uh, just admiring is how much flexibility and optionality you you were demonstrating. And that is, that is the effect of self awareness. Because so often what happens is we, we get boom, hit by life. Oh, right out of nowhere. Bam, punch in the face. And the person with, with a limited or less self awareness reacts with hostility or victim or, or, you know, runaway or resistance. Whereas the person with awareness, they experience that, that hit. And then they say, "Okay, that was interesting. Now what?" They have options. They are able to think. They have. They are resourceful. They're creative because they're not reacting.
1: Mm-hmm. And so many people listening in right now, they they are all reactors. And I talk. Well,
0: we all we're all born as reactors. Yeah.
1: Why is that? But why is it is it something that's in our ancestry because we used to be cavemen? Like why is that?
0: <laughs> well, I think that we were cavemen and women a long 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 time ago, but I'm sh- I'm sure there are many traits that each of us have that are are from those times. But let's just be honest. Until recently, the chances of you living past about age 45 were slim to none. Until recently, uh, and when I say recently, let's call it the, the last couple hundred years. A couple hundred years ago, you know, a 13 year old was having babies. They were starting their family because their parents were dying in their 30s. Mm. They were mm. running countries. They were running the family business. They were they were um, in they were fighting wars. So it's only recently that we have come to a place where our our situation, our life now contains within it so much safety, so much, so so the probability of you living for a long time is so high that if you tried to kill yourself, you would probably be stopped by people like you couldn't even kill yourself. (laughs) But our, our entire being is predisposed to being in a survival state for hundreds of thousands of years, all of our ancestors, everything that we are. So it's imperative to start to see the biology for what it is. And thinking is biology. Thinking isn't what you are. Thinking is an expression of your biology. And when you can recognize that I am not my thoughts, thoughts are thinking whether I want them to or not, you gain some distance from them, and that awareness makes you flexible. The flexibility will reveal options that weren't there before. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, wait a second. Oh, I could do that, or I could do this, or I could do that. And those options give you power.
1: You know, how do people become more self-aware? I, like I journal and I try to like reflect back on my day. And so I feel like that's what's made me and I've worked with you obviously too. So that helped get a basis, but for people listening in right now, what is something that they can do when they are done listening to this podcast that is going to make them more aware of themselves?
0: Well, the first thing that I'm going to say is, uh, you know, blatant pitch for them to get my book but they just should. Quiet Mind Epic Life in the back of the book are 23 daily practices. And they can they can go through those 23 daily practices and that will bring a tremendous amount of self-awareness into their game. If they're not going to do that then I want them to do two things. One, I want them every single day will you please listener will you please every single day just admit that your mind is not your friend. I mean, who else calls you fat? Who else tells you that you're stupid? Who else says, oh my gosh, what? Why? that was so stupid. Why did I say that thing, right? Only your mind. If your mind, if your friends said to you what your mind says to you, they wouldn't be your friend. So start by admitting every day that your mind is not your friend. That's number one. Number two, begin to question the motivation of your mind. Because your mind's job is survival, but the joke is on you. You're not in a survival situation. If you're listening to this podcast, you have an objective of being successful. If you have an objective of being successful, that's not a survival situation. That's a thriving situation. So begin to question the motivation. Is stress really necessary in this situation is it serving me what is the motivation why am i doing this do i need to be freaking out right now just having the intent to start to question the mind's motivation will give you a tremendous amount of relief those are some simple things that you can do
1: i love that and i was just thinking in my mind like i had a, a an interesting morning because I don't like to use hard or easy anymore. I just like to say interesting because I'm always observing what is happening to me. And I, I should have said to myself, why do I want to, um, get angry and yell right now? And a lot of people, like, if you just ask yourself, why do I, why do I have this feeling? Why do I want to unfollow this person? For instance, like, you know, there's so many things that you guys could be asking yourself why more often. And most of the time it sounds like You know, absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't make sense why sometimes we do the things that we do. So I love those prompts. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, with this whole talk about a quiet mind and being an entrepreneur, most of the people listening in right now they're either in network marketing or they're a they're a life coach, business coach, and they have courses. You know, you're talking to the online marketers here. So they're in this space of having to be on social media to run their business. And mm-hmm. how, you know, how do you have a, a quiet mind when you're constantly having to put yourself out there on social media? I mean, I teach people like, you, you got to go on your stories, you got to go live, you know, because if you're not being seen, nobody's going to hear how you can help them. So when you're constantly putting yourself out there and you're getting feedback from people, you know, I understand like, you know, questioning yourself and becoming more aware, but you know, we're just always busy doing stuff, you know, and in social media, I feel like it makes it so hard.
0: Well, traitor and pride will both get in there. So When we have a traitor hidden motive running in the background, we don't want to reveal who we really are. We feel like we are um, phonies and we feel like a fake and we we hope that no one finds out and we're putting on a show to try and fit in. We're putting on a show trying to look smart, look like I know what I'm doing, look like people should follow me. Then I go to go on to social media and all of a sudden it's like, there's some feeling that just pulls me away. It's like, nah, you know, I'm just going to go on my newsfeed. Oh, I'm going to answer these, these, uh, uh, you know, comments instead. And we're, you know, next thing you know, we're distracted by the drunk monkey. The drunk monkey is our ultimate distractor. So the way to do this is to begin to heal. The trader imbalance in your consciousness, and I would propose. So, for in my world, that, that's what my specialty is: is helping people to heal these imbalances. So, you could do it for free. You go onto my YouTube channel. So, if you just do, if you just search Matthew Ferry, you'll see I have a, a um, lots of videos. But I've got a playlist specifically on practices to overcome the hidden motives. Another thing that you can do is you can get my book. And if you get my book, I will send you my book for free as long as you pay for the shipping. In my book is an entire process or list of ways in which to deal with the hidden motives. And then with my book, there is also a a gift of the hidden motive release meditations, which are a five-minute process you just put on. It's like, if you're going to do a live You put on the hidden mode of release meditation for Trader, you get yourself into a good place, and then you go live and you'll find that you're more authentic, you're more real, you're calmer, you're more at peace. And it's not about the meditation per se, that's just the process. It's about actually taking back control of your consciousness. So I think that those are some of the things that people can do. And just knowing that you have Trader running in the background is going to start to agitate you. It's going to start to bother you on a regular basis. And that bothering and that agitating is is it breaking apart in your consciousness. So if if you start to see, oh my gosh, I have greed, I have grudge, I have traitor, I have pride, I've got lazy. If you start to see those things running in your life, just seeing them will begin to diminish their power over you.
1: Okay. I love how you just plugged yourself. Like, I don't know, a couple times and everybody listening in right now, you want to do this. We'll link up all of his stuff to the show notes. So you guys can easily grab this stuff, but I love how you have a quiet mind. So you don't have that drunk monkey in the background saying, you know, telling you to have shame over plugging your products that can help change so many people's lives. And all of you guys listening in, you know, you want to take advice from people that have what you want. And all of you guys are going to want to get to that place where you can easily plug yourself and just like go forward in your business and have no shame in your game. So I just had to like put that little teaching moment in there really quick (laughs) for everybody. (laughs) So what, what is this difference between an enlightened mind? Cause I think my audience is, is new to that term of enlightenment, um, and and your rapid enlightenment process and the quiet mind? Like, are these all things that we should be working on every single day? Like, I feel a little overwhelmed with all of it.
0: Well, I'm just pulling up on my computer, uh, like the dictionary definition of enlightened. So you kind of get a sense of it. It's, it's, it's not as woo-woo as everyone would make it out to be. So it's, it's very simply having or showing A rational, modern, and well informed outlook, spiritually aware. That's the definition of enlightened. Now, my definition of enlightenment is the recognition that the source of life for you is the source of life for everyone and everything, that we're all the same thing, expressing itself with infinite variety. And and if that's the case, if you connect with the idea that we're all the same thing, what you'll find is your fear disappears, because why would you fear yourself? You are what everything else is. So it's kind of like this. A quiet mind has been traditionally called enlightenment, and for most people, the idea of enlightenment um, seems you know, fantastical, uh, maybe even impossible, but it's not. It's actually really attainable, and it's unbelievably practical. I mean, Kayla, life is so much better when you're at peace, I agree. Peace, you know what I mean? Like the political climate, the future of our nation, money, health, kids, marriage, retirement. When you're at peace with that stuff, now you can really think and take action based on what is inspiring you rather than based on what is stressing you.
1: Mm. You know, I was just uh, at my trainer this morning and I, I was telling her how, like, I'm having a hard time sleeping because I'm at this point in my business where I'm very stressed out. And she said, you know, you need to meditate more. And I know you have meditations. Why, how often should people be meditating if they are experiencing stress? Because the reason why I stress is because I'm constantly uh, wondering, like, what's going to happen next? You know, like, is this going to go well for me? Like, what's going to happen if it doesn't? And my mind goes down that train track of, of nonsense. But, and then when I meditate, it does help me. And so I try to do it like two times a day, but is there like a, something that when people are listening in right now, they're like, okay, I should meditate like this and this often.
0: My process has the mind go completely quiet and you go into a complete state of peace, no meditation required. That said I really appreciate meditation. I, I personally love the process of meditation, and therefore I do create meditations as a way of having people take in ideas in a different modality. So for me, I recommend that people just do a one-minute meditation, which is literally just taking three long, slow, deep breaths. And if we just look at the idea that you just brought up, I stress about, you know, is it going to go well? Am I going to get what I want? What happens if I don't? All of that is the drunk monkey. So that is an unconscious reflex that that is fearing the future. And uh, I, I like to sometimes call it the negative future prophesizing machine. It's constantly predicting the future. Have you noticed that the drunk monkey in your head actually thinks it's psychic? Yes. It, it literally goes, Kayla, here's what's going to happen. This bad thing, then you're going to need to do this. And then when they do this other thing over here, you need to do that. Right. And it's like playing out this strategy. And that's really awesome. If you're in a survival situation, if you're in a thriving situation like you, it's, it's creating stress for no reason. And when you're in a stressed state, you're not your best self. So one of the critical things that you can do is to actually challenge the drunk monkey. And the way I like to challenge a drunk monkey is to do a worst-case scenario exercise. And what I've found is the worst-case scenario exercise is far more powerful than, than doing a meditation when I'm feeling stressed like that. So the worst case, and I, and things go to, uh, if you just type in Matthew Ferry, worst case scenario into um, Google, you'll see that I've got videos on it and I've got uh, web articles that I've written, but it's very simple. You, the drunk monkey's job is to avoid negative things. So it's going to premeditate negativity. So you're in the future, which doesn't exist, it's a hallucination, but you're feeling the stress now, which is debilitating and diminishing your creativity and your resourcefulness. So rather than being expansive in your view, Kayla, where you're like, whoa, look at all the possibilities, instead you're myopically focused on avoiding something that probably isn't going to happen. So what you do is you take that thing, that myopic focus, that person is going to say this negative thing, and then I'm going to do these 42 karate chops and punch them in the face and and smash their face into the ground and then run away with their money. That's the drunk monkey. So instead of letting that happen, what you do is you say, all right, drunk monkey, let's, let's play this all the way out. And you sit down and you write out the worst possible thing that can happen. Now, you need to know the drunk monkey is dubious. It's at all times avoiding death. So what you'll find is if you just keep writing out and what bad thing would happen from that, if you just kept thinking, what bad thing would happen to that drunk monkey? And you just keep writing it, writing it, writing it, writing it. You'll find somewhere in there is some fear that you're going to perish and then you're going to be under a bridge and, and you're going to have to live in a box and the kids won't have a future and you will have screwed everybody over, right? It's, the drunk monkey is insane. So you write out this terrible thing that the drunk monkey is fretting about. Then what you do is you make peace with it. And you say, if that happens, here's my plan. And you actually write out a plan to deal with the worst. So you don't write out a plan to avoid the worst. That's just more of the drunk monkey. That's more of what I call the personal development prison. And when you're in the personal development prison, you think, I just need to meditate, or I just need to read another book, or I just need to do some affirmations, or maybe if I do a dream board, or maybe if I go on and watch that guy's video, then I'll get back into a better place again. But it never works. It's like uh, doing cocaine. It only lasts for a little bit. (laughs) So what you do is you confront the underlying insanity of the drunk monkey by saying, if the worst happens, here's exactly what we're going to do. And you make a plan to deal with the worst. Now, as soon as you make, you don't want to, right? I mean, it's not something you're like, oh, I'd love to deal with the worst case. That's not what you want. But you once you make a plan and you say, if the worst happens, I will follow this plan. Instantaneously, the fear and the stress disappears. And all of a sudden, a whole new set of opportunities opens up. And you see all kinds of things that you didn't see before. It is magical. The mind goes quiet. The creativity and the intuition appear. And you are led by inspiration and bliss and peace rather than fear and and anxiety and stress.
1: Hmm. Okay. I am like, I want to go and like, I want everybody to listen to this right now. Like I'm, I'm like stressed right now because I want everybody to do it. <laughs> that's and, so funny. Uh, you know,
0: but how- that's just, uh, let's be honest though, Kayla, you actually have a tremendous amount of love and compassion For other people who have been where you've been and, and you've been broke and you've been struggling and you've, you grew up in a small town where there was no opportunity and you made something of yourself Mm -hmm. and, and you know that it's possible. And I, and I see where your heart is. You really want people to do well.
1: I do. I do. (laughs) drives me crazy when they don't listen to me.
0: (laughs) Of course. That's a, that's a natural first step. And you're, you're young in your, in your leadership Uh and you're developing in your leadership. I'm just a little farther down the road and I've released my attachment. I know that people are doing the best they can given the situation that they're in. And if they're listening to your podcast, it is a foregone conclusion that they are going to experience some version of the success that they have in their mind. It won't be exactly like what they think, but they're on their
1: path. You're so right. And I think like, I I love those words, the release attachment. Can we talk just a little bit more about that? I'm not going to keep you forever, but- I think so many people are disappointed because they have an attachment to the outcome that they want. You know, when they start a business, they want people to support them. And then when they don't, they get disappointed, you know? And so that's one thing. Or, you know, they have an attachment to, you know, they wanted their marriage to look perfect and amazing. And then one day it's not, and they're getting a divorce. And then they feel like a failure. You know, like there's all these things that they have attachments to. And if we were just to release them, we would be so much happier. So what... Can people do again? I know it's it's you know another. I know they're going to read your book and all that kind of stuff. But right That's
0: now, great. I oh, I've, I just want you to know, Kayla. My I have a commitment in my fifty first year, which is the one that I'm in right now, to literally tell everyone every single thing that I have discovered about how to live in a state of bliss and peace, and do it completely for free. And so uh that's why I'm here, girlfriend. That's why I'm here. I love it. Let's talk about it. Okay, so here's the deal: this is what you need to know about attachment. So attachment is an exaggerated fear of losing an imaginary benefit. Mm. You're imagining, so it's like this: let's say I'm I'm going on a meeting and I want this meeting to go well so that I can get this new customer so I can uh, accomplish this goal. What happens is the drunk monkey starts to premeditate what this meeting will mean. It begins to spend the money that I'm going to get when I get this new client. It starts to look at the prestige. It, it, it begins to make up this whole story about all the things that it means. So I'm now. I have an exaggerated fear of losing an imaginary benefit. So in the future, I think I'm going to lose something that I don't have. And it's jacking me up today, which is then making me not so effective. So that's what an attachment is. Mm. So you've got five steps To release your attachment. And please, please, please go um, search my name, Matthew Ferry, release attachment, and you'll see that I've got video and a blog post on this exact process. But let's run through it. One, you have to ask yourself, what am I actually afraid of losing? So the attachment, Kayla, is an exaggerated fear of losing a positive benefit. And I'm getting attached to my exaggeration, and I stop dealing with reality. So I need to write out, here's what I'm afraid of losing. Then number two, how will losing the benefit actually affect you without the exaggeration? So you want to think it through. You want to get really honest. If I don't get this, what's the real impact? What's the actual bona fide real impact? No exaggeration. Number three, you make peace with that loss. So you literally start saying to yourself, if that happens, I'm going to be okay. It's an an expression of the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay. Here's what I'll do. Here's how I'm going to recover. Then number four, you need to then admit, how is the fear that I have actually an exaggeration? So you have to think it through, right? Let's, let's say you lost this, uh, lost some problematic client that you have, and now they've quit and you've invested all this time. What did you actually lose with this person? Well, you lost some money but you also gained a lot of time. You gained a lot more uh, uh, learning and some understanding and some appreciation of the kinds of people that you want to deal with. There's all kinds of benefits oftentimes of having bad things happen. And when you back up, it'll help. And then finally, number five, you actually need to then say, all right, what am I actually committed to? Now, here's the thing. Nothing has happened yet, Kayla. You haven't even done the thing. Mm. Nothing's happened yet but your your mind is already afraid of losing something that hasn't happened. So you go through the process to get the mind to stop being in survival mode. And then in this new free and clear place, you say, what am I committed to? And then you start to operate from that commitment.
1: Okay, so like I could say right now, I am 100% committed to, no matter what's happening around me, to being blissful right? So I want to just be happy and be at peace and just experience bliss throughout the day. So no matter what happens, that's what I'm 100% committed to. Is that right? Is that how? Yeah. Okay.
0: That's right. And then you, then you can't be attached to the bliss because you and I both know that the bliss has volatility. There'll be moments of bliss and then maybe you you get a little hypoglycemic and you haven't put enough food in your body and your bliss goes away or you get tired during the day and your bliss goes away or your kids have a temper tantrum and your bliss goes away. You don't get attached to your bliss either. You just go, I'm committed to bliss. I'm not in bliss right now, but mm. I am committed to that.
1: Mm. Okay. Wow. Okay. I feel like there were so many amazing nuggets. Like we could keep talking forever. We'll probably have to have you back on. But for all of the people listening in right now, if you guys love this episode, I want you guys to make sure to screenshot and tell us what you're learning in these episodes. Share it out there on your social media channels and make sure to tag Kayla Craft and Matthew Ferry so that way we can repost you on our channels and get the word out there about this awesome episode. And Matthew, what, what is one thing that you want everybody to do after listening to this podcast episode?
0: The number one thing that I want you to do is to admit that the talking in your head is not your friend (laughs) and that it talks whether you want it to or not. And it generally doesn't have very nice things to say. Just admit it, please.
1: I love it. Okay. All right, you guys, thank you for listening into this episode. Make sure if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do that now and leave me a five-star review because that's how we get out there to the masses and end up on the top chart. So I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the Mommy Millionaire podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to mommymillionaire.co. Make sure to follow Mommy Millionaire on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes. And it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review of the show. And as always, ladies, go out there and get what you want.